It's the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com. Nick Farrell and Sam Coniglio here with you on this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast, and we're keeping our theme of talking about football on the pod. Sam, we had Pal Jimenez Albelda, and by football I mean soccer, of course. Pal Jimenez Albelda, former Mountaineer midfielder turned pro, Terrassa FC in Spain. Today's guest, Isabella Sibley, former WVU women's soccer midfielder, who recently launched her pro career in her native England with Crystal Palace, and she's super excited about it, too. Yeah, she's uh, the 31st Mountaineer from the women's side to make her career, and <laughs> going back to England, she's still struggling uh, deciding whether she wants to say soccer or football. She apologized several times during the interview. <laughs> so that was quite a... Because quite she a was brainwashed thing. over here, right, to call it soccer and now calls it football. Well, I think you and speech. I would argue she's brainwashed over there, but... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they did invent the game, I they guess, They did invent right? the game, yeah. But well, they did also invent the term soccer. That's true. Too. That's true. Association football is where that comes yes. from. Yes, Rather than rugby football, which is rugby. So exactly. there you go. Your little tidbit that you either didn't know or probably learned from someone who is English at some point in your exactly. life. A little history lesson for the people at home. So 31st Mountaineer from Nikki Izzo Brown's women's soccer program is Isabella Sibley. And the thing that I think is unique about her, well, one of the things, Sam, is that she had an opportunity to play a COVID year at West Virginia, had a really great season last fall, decided to go home and take the pro opportunity rather than take the year of COVID eligibility. Yeah. When you're sitting on the couch, when you're rooting for the Mountaineers, it seems like a a no-brainer to take a free year of eligibility to come back and play another year in the old gold and blue. But um, we saw it with Dante Stills. Right. He's staying home. Um, and Gabe Osaboyan on the men's side, uh, men's basketball side, excuse me. Yeah, there's like five fifth-year yeah. guys on Coach Huggins' team, right? Bunch of, bunch of them. It's and become Gabe, really common. Gabe couldn't wait to hop on the Final Forecast <laughs> podcast and uh, announce that he was coming back. But, um, you know, Sibley and a lot of the other athletes uh, around campus – have a lot more variables in their decision. I mean, she, her, her parents couldn't even watch her games, you know, <laughs> right. when they were at home, and and uh, she couldn't visit home for all of 2021. Um, and on top of that, there's a five-hour time difference, which makes it even harder to just schedule a phone call, you know, with your family back home. So, um, <laughs> on top of that, when you're getting calls to go pro. Yeah, you got to do it. To, it's right? pretty hard to say now. So that's what she's doing. Started her career with Crystal Palace. Uh, she is from London originally, right, Sam? She's from Uxbridge, which is Greater London. Okay. Um, according to my Google Maps research, that's about a 90-minute drive from the south of Greater London, which okay. is Uxbridge, to Bromley uh, on the northeast side um, where Crystal Palace play their matches. Okay, so gotcha. So a lot more... A lot closer, excuse me, than a plane trip over the pond. Well, of course, right. And, yeah. and you don't have to deal with five or six hours of time zone difference anymore exactly. either, right? Exactly. So, so great conversation here with Isabella Sibley, former Mountaineer women's soccer midfielder. We'll get to it in a sec. But first, just one thing to keep in mind as you're listening to this. Sam, I thought that she had some really insightful stuff about the growth of the sport, the growth of women's soccer in England. As we look at things in the United States, right, the U.S. women's national team is huge. During uh, World Cup years for women's soccer, that team is bigger than the men's national team because it has won. Uh, in England, though, Sibley told us that it's maybe maybe hasn't always been that way, that same way, which is super intriguing because again, that's where that is where the sport is most popular in England. Yeah, it's it's still a growing sport. Um, you know, like you said, the women's national team here 
sustained success. They win the World Cup. The the parades in Manhattan are packed. Um, and Abby Wambach, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapinoe, those are all household names. But on the women's side, the the their national team in England hasn't quite had that success yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't so much as won a national uh, a major trophy. They haven't they've even made the World Cup final yet. Um, but at the same time, that's you can also attribute to that because to the fact that it's a very new sport on the world stage. The women's World Cup wasn't played until 1991, um, and in fact, the women's national team in England wasn't established. Or they were established before 1972, but they didn't play their first international match until 1972. By that point, George Best and Pele had established themselves as legends of the game. Yeah, that's crazy to think about, right? That's pretty mind-blowing. And that's around the time Title IX, those types of things were happening and unfolding in the United States. Yeah, 1972, Title IX, I believe, was signed. Um, And... So the, the, the fight for women's sports is in the Western world is um, pretty parallel, I, I'd say. Yeah, interesting. But the, the bright spot from Sibley saying she's been stopped on the street, her and her teammates. She's, yeah, kind of, she's become very popular. Now their matches are played on national TV in primetime slots. So the, oh, that's their awesome. faces yeah. are getting spotted you know, on the streets. And you know, now she's pretty excited to say that she, she can... Uh, Inspire the next Isabella Sibley, I guess you could say. So let's get to that conversation now with the former Mountaineer turned rising star for Crystal Palace. Get to it with conversation with Sam Coniglio and Isabella Sibley in just a moment. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, yourwvlawfirm.com. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Pritt and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Pritt and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Pritt and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Pritt and Spano. West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com. This is Sam Coniglio. We are welcoming on a former West Virginia midfielder and current Crystal Palace uh, footballer, Isabella Sibley. Thank you for joining us, Izzy. How are you doing? I'm not bad, Sam. Uh, Everything's good over the pond, as they say. Um, But yeah, I'm doing very well myself. That's great. It's been a while since we last saw you. What what have you been up to these uh, last couple of weeks? Uh, It has been a while. I haven't been in the States now for coming up to two months, which is a bit surreal, as I've called it my home for three and a half years. However, um, come off straight off the bat of the plane and I signed my first professional football, as they say over here, football um, contract with Crystal Palace Ladies. And it's just been a whirlwind. Um, Currently, I came straight halfway through the season um, for this team and we've been, you know, playing games, training every day. Uh, we have a weekend off, which um, is like the first weekend off in a very long time. So it's kind of going to be nice to just relax and, you know, get my feet together. And well, it's kind of been like that for the past two months. It's kind of like, OK, new environment now, new new team, new coaching. Um, but no, it's been absolutely incredible, to say the least. So what was that signing process like? Did you know you were going to sign with Palace or were there other clubs kind of in the, in the running for you? Um, so I signed with my um, agency um, and I've been in talks with him from about like September 
and like Crystal Palace, they were always very keen in, in myself. And um, it was always nice to have like a, a team that's been very interested in me. So I came home and um, I didn't want to just sign immediately to a team. I wanted to kind of feel out, the, like, you know, play the, play the playing field, how they say. Um, not put all my eggs in one basket. I had like a few teams that I was like, interested in. And then I just went with my gut and went, went with what's most comfortable and what I think would be best for my future. And Crystal Palace was definitely the team for me. And I'm very lucky to have signed for them. How's that adjustment been going from the college game to the professional game? It's, it's a big jump. It is a big jump because um, luckily enough for me, the Big 12 were very physical, very um, getting to that point of being becoming quite technical as well. But as in Europe, football is very technical and very tactical. And like every single training session is a tactical training session and a technical training session. But for me to be able to build that aspect of the physicality that the Big 12 were in, because it's a pretty physical league, <laughs> Um, sorry, conference, um, is that part of it. So that aspect, the physicality bit, has definitely helped in the um, like the whole like four technical, tactical, physical, mental um, aspects of more. But it has been a big, big jump because I'm, I'm playing with like 30-year-olds now. I, I'm one of the youngest in the team, which I went from being the oldest, well, one of the oldest, to now one of the youngest. So it's kind of like you kind of jump back into that freshman uh aspect and you know it's it's great because you're learning so much and you're just being a sponge to it all but now I'm getting I'm like finding my feet and I'm very much enjoying playing football here back at home what about from like a day-to-day perspective obviously you don't need to go to class anymore and you're kind of collecting paychecks like my life's just football now it, it's it's quite surreal because it's everything I've kind of dreamed for as a, as a child I've always wanted to just you know scrap school not do any work and just play football and it's nice because I, I wake up and I I play football I, I eat food I eat good food and then I come home and I kind of do the same thing again so for that not to be in class and you know not do school it's a definitely a big weight off the shoulders <laughs> And you're originally from Uxbridge and in Palace playing Bromley. So you're yeah. in the greater London area. Is it nicer to be kind of closer to home? It is. I'm only about an hour and a half away from my family. So it's definitely a, a big jump to a seven and a half hour plane journey. Um, but the biggest thing for me was I always wanted to be able to come back and play at home so that my parents can watch every single game. And every game that we have played, my parents have been there. So I think that's probably... The, the, the happiest side of it all is the fact that my parents and my family can now come to games and, you know, support me face to face instead of literally my mum used to scroll on Instagram and Twitter on the feed at like 2 a.m. and just refresh, refresh, refresh because they couldn't get like ESPN, of course, because of um, different countries. So my mum would sit up at 2 a.m. and now she can actually come to games, which is definitely a, a big, big benefit. Yeah, I'm sure that's awesome. <laughs> Definitely a big upgrade for your family too, having you really close to home. Now, oh, I know. now let's go back to your days at West Virginia. Um, now you played for four seasons, correct, in, in Morgantown. Now, did did you think you were gonna? Play, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but did you think you were gonna play college soccer when you were growing up? The weirdest thing of it all was so Marissa. She came to because I played at Chelsea for five years, and she came to Chelsea. 
and she watched um, one of our games against Arsenal and it was probably the best game I've ever played in my career. And I didn't know kind of the what universities were like in America. I didn't know the whole, how the concept of it or how it worked. So when Marissa came, she was actually watching one of my best friends. And before the game, she was like, to, um, my so Lois, I don't know, she played at West Virginia and she transferred. Anyway, so Marissa flew out to um, see Lois and before the game, Lois's mum and my mum and Marissa went for dinner, or not dinner, breakfast. And Marissa gave her this um, like brochure and was like, listen, like, just have a read of it, this, that and the other. I didn't have uh, any idea what um, college football was or college soccer or anything to do with the university. So when Marissa came and she was interested and I was like, wow, this was literally about six months before I, I should have come to America so she came and I was like wow this is amazing like you can play at a high level and get a degree at the same time and then I went for my visit the follow like a couple months later in February and two days later I was like that's it I'm in like I want to I want to do this and then July or sorry June I was in America and I it was just such a whirlwind because I know like college girls or high school girls they commit like four or five years down the time I committed like four months <laughs> that's a pretty fast process what, what was your first yeah. what was your first time meeting Nikki like then well we, obviously we spoke on FaceTime and 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 had like the talks with my parents and stuff but she, she was very keen and I, I think that was the biggest thing for me was that you, you always want to feel wanted and I definitely felt wanted at West Virginia and the minute I come off the plane the gen one of the general managers went up to Pittsburgh picked me up and I just felt like at home and I think that was the biggest thing for me and that's why I stayed all four seasons in, in West Virginia in Morgantown and specifically at that program is because I felt it was such like a, a family knitted um, community there. Now uh, would you recommend college soccer to somebody in the UK like you said it was such a foreign concept Absolutely. Um, it's funny because every time that um, there would be like commits, not commits, but um, girls interested in obviously coming to West Virginia, Marissa would be like, come on, get on the call. And I wouldn't, there's just not a bad thing I would say about it. And still to this day, I know a few like 17 year olds who are like, I don't know if to go or not, this, that and the other. And I, I still to this day push them and be like, it's honestly the greatest opportunity and the greatest three and a half years that you will have in your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, obviously you, you're talking about mostly American girls that you're trying to recruit, I, I assume, but... As well. Oh, really? And there was, um, there was a phone call I was on um, just before I left with a girl that was from London, well, not London, but, you know, England area. And there was a few of them as well that are very much interested. So I think the best thing is that girls are finally having this opportunity, not just in America, but overseas as well, because the American system and the American university system that you have is absurd. It's absolutely amazing to be able to play at a high level and not only a high level of football, but also earn a really, really good degree to have in your back pocket. Yeah, that is a nice little little perk there that you probably can't get at many academies in Europe, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you honestly here you either play professional and sign a professional contract or you go to university. There's just no in between. 
little best of both worlds there. Now, the other problem, or problem, I shouldn't say problem, but the other aspect is you're getting a trip to the United States for a few years. Now, what was the biggest culture shock for you when you set foot in Morgantown? Um, well, coming from a major city like London and then obviously coming to Morgantown, which they call a city, but I, I still to this day would say it's a, it's a small town or a big town. <laughs> I think the, the biggest thing was the food, 100% the food. Um, I don't know, you, you're going from like home-cooked food to very cultured food in London to then obviously coming to America and it being a lot of fast foods. But hey, I still to this day, I, I love American food. I do. <laughs> Well, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> um, now, uh, what about this is a weird question, but what about the soccer versus football thing? You're obviously kind of struggling with it <laughs> right now. You, you, you seem to be adjusting back into saying football all the time. I still fight my corner to the point where you have American football. And I don't get me wrong. I stayed up till early hours in the morning and watched the Super Bowl. I loved it. I, and it was just for the halftime show because I'm still trying to understand American football. But um, it was a hard adjustment. It's still to this day, I still get in, like, stuck in between soccer. And then when I'm talking to my American friends, I have to like say soccer again or, you know, football. Um, but football's played worldwide. Like it, there's only one American football kind of league in America. And, you know, you right. have soccer which is played in literally nearly every country in the world yeah every, everywhere else of course <laughs> um now going back to your time playing soccer you scored 11 goals for the old golden blue which one stands out the most to you oh it's got to be the um first, it was this spring well not spring spring 2021 uh, it was our first game against virginia or uva and i, I think i scored in the last 10 minutes of the game and that was definitely like a, a highlight of my career at West Virginia, being able to take down that opponent, that top five opponent. And I know it was only a spring game for, for us. It got us a good seed in the NCAA spot um, for that for that season. Now, that squad had a bunch of – well, I mean, it, it was the tail end of a lot of future uh, professional signings. Like you had Steph Ferrer Van Ginkle um, shortly before that. You had Riley Foster the year before, um, you know, yeah. What what did you, I mean, I guess you can't really speak for them, but what did you learn at WVU that you can take into the professional game? Um, I think West Virginia and the culture that Izzo, Story and Marissa set was just such a professional environment, such a professional environment to the point it wasn't a big culture shock to the next chapter of my life being a professional footballer. It was kind of, an easy, smooth process into that all because I was so lucky to be able to join a program like West Virginia and for it to be so professional, the coaching very professional. The girls were very welcoming, like I said, but it was like, I, I can't really speak for it. It was just such a professional environment. It was just such a smooth process and for me to be able to play professional football, soccer, sorry. That's <laughs> call whatever you want make yourself comfortable <laughs> make yourself at home um but um do you have any advice for any future mountaineers that are going into the program i think the biggest advice i would give for future mountaineers would you have to be mentally strong you every day is tough because you're fighting for a spot you're fight, and it is a professional league and like um, the the, uh, the universities are 
professional but I think for you to be able to you know get through the goods and the bads you have more lows than you do highs um in life and definitely in football but for you to be able to come out the other side you definitely have to just make sure that you have your right goals and you set your goals down and you be mentally tough and mentally strong every day to get through it every day and each season as they come yeah and you kind of you really saw that in your four years the highs and the lows and um and especially in the tail end of your career you kind of became more of a senior leader which is natural obviously in, in college sports yeah. but how, how was that different than your first couple of years it was it was a weird process because you you come in and it's such a whirlwind it is such a whirlwind you all of a sudden you're coming in as a freshman you're 18 years old and the next thing you think your eyelids and you're 21 years old and you're a senior and you have to kind of take the responsibility of being a leader but I think the biggest thing for me which helped me a lot was when I came as a freshman I had the likes of Bianca St George, Esther, Naya, uh, Trish, I had nine of these seniors who set such a high boundary for us to maintain and keep so for us to have that kind of inspiration and these idols I would say coming in as, as, as an 18 year old definitely helped the process of eventually becoming a leader and becoming obviously seniority in the team to kind of help the girls who have just come in and, um, you know, guide them in the right direction. So now you're back across the pond, obviously in your professional career. Um, what are you most looking forward to? It, it, it's in its infancy, of course, but what are you most looking forward to, to as being a professional? Um, growing each day mentally and physically and kind of finding my feet to the point where I'm in uh, this team, I've got a starting spot and I'm performing to the best I can possibly be. And eventually with the team that I'm at, I want to, you know, lift trophies and I want to start winning and have um, these accolades behind me. Um, it's kind of like a fresh slate for me and to be able to have this fresh slate is great and I'm thriving off it. But it's now like you've got to switch on and, you know, be the best that you could possibly be to be able to achieve all these things. Now, when you were growing up, did you have a player that you emulated? And has that changed at all? Um, I did. I, I always had, um, obviously, idols growing up and I, in the men's game and in the women's game as well, because when I was growing up, the women's game was just growing and growing and growing. And it was just amazing to see and eventually have these female idols that, like Kelly Smith, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar. She, I remember reading her book when I was younger and she went out to America and, you know, went professional and then came back and built this legacy. And she's obviously retired now, but she was definitely a, a key figure in my life where I was like, wow, you can really travel anywhere in the world and do what you love it's kind of interesting that you bring that up you know the, the women's game women's game in the united states has kind of been around and um yeah. it's seen success but in england you know it's still very much growing is it kind of an interesting process to be a part of something that's growing so quickly it's it's absolutely incredible how much it's growing now we are on TV, like when on primetime TV, there was a game, um, Arsenal versus Chelsea women's and they were on the main mainstream of TV on a Friday night at seven o'clock. And like the social media aspect of it all, 
you get more and more people being recognized and a lot of my friends have achieved so much at this age and they get stopped in the streets and you know they have little girls come up to them and you know ask for pictures and signed autographs and everything like that so for us females to finally be recognized in something that's supposedly equal is literally what you want it to become and it's growing every day and of course, like you said, the US team has always been someone like a female footballer. You always look up to those because you're like, wow, like the amount of things that they accomplish is absolutely incredible. And the voices they speak for the voiceless, supposedly. And now you have not only the US team doing that, but you have multiple other countries as well that are now growing and it's, it's becoming this massive thing, which it should have been, but now it's finally being recognised. Yeah, and it's it's pretty interesting to see WVU uh, alumni all over the all over the world, I should say, kind of making that impact. I mean, you got Kadisha Buchanan and and Ashley Lawrence out in France and Canada, kind of doing that. Skyrocketing into you know they'll probably get statues and football fields and everything named after them and stadiums right. because they've the legacy and they're building such a legacy behind them and that's literally thanks to being able to come to a program like West Virginia and build all these aspects for you to be able to go on to your next chapter and you know help it towards the future. Now uh, ironically early on in your career you got to face Liverpool which is the club of your former teammate Riley Foster. Has she have you reached out to her at all now that she's a, a foe rather than a friend? I have. I actually reached out to her the other day. Um, I've been. It's not obviously an easy journey to just travel up. Obviously, we both work, and she's recovering right now from um, an incident. But I've I've reached out. We talk, and she seems to be doing great on her recovery process. But I said to, I reached out to her the other day, and I was like, "Listen, I have time off. I'm I'm jumping on a train, and we're we're going for tea and tea and scones." <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, we, we talk and it's a great it's a great thing going to university because you meet all these people. And now I have friends in America and France and like close to home, Liverpool, and she's Canadian. And it's I think that's the best thing about it is you're building these relationships and these connections that are going to be for life. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, a unique experience. But um, you also had a unique experience playing for coach Nikki Izzo-Brown. She's one of a kind, that's for sure. Um, but now you're on a coach at Dean Davenport. Do you see any similarities? Is there any, uh, uh, what's the biggest uh, difference there? I think um, being at West Virginia, you, and as obviously as a female, you um, are going through these changes from, obviously you go from a lot of changes from when you're 18 to 22. So I think for, for Izzo and for those coaching staff that handle these girls, they come to realise how, you know, to talk to them and how to interact and how to make each other, each individual better. So I think that's the best thing about Izzo is that she really realises what type of human being you are for her to interact with you and for her to make you a better player and not only a better player, but a better person. But when you're in the professional game, they obviously do the same, but it's a bit more ruthless because at the end of the day, you're getting paid to, you know, put on the shirt and to perform in front of the fans and in front of, you know, TV and, and everything. You want to be top of the league. You want to win trophies and everything. So it's a bit more ruthless, but 
I'm lucky enough to be at a coaching staff at Crystal Palace that they recognise what type of person that you are and what type of interactions that you have on and off the field for them to be able to talk to you. So it's quite similar with the coaching staff that I had at West Virginia and at Crystal Palace, which has been a big benefit to me. Well, that's that's a really good uh, that's a really good thing for the adjustment, especially. It's probably a little difficult now um, making that move, but um, now last one for me. Uh, and this is a simple one. What's the biggest thing you're going to miss from West Virginia? The biggest thing? I think it's the people. I, I, I grew my family out there. I, it was my second home. And like, I'm, I'm very fortunate enough for, to be able to have, like, you know, an iPhone and FaceTime all my friends and stuff. I still speak to all my girls from America every day. Um, but the biggest thing I do miss is obviously my, my best friends my sisters at the end of the day and the people I grew and they I, they grew with me I grew with them um but yeah and the college experience in itself it was just it, it was a hard bubble to get out of it obviously you could have the opportunity now to take your COVID year and fortunately enough like some girls did but I think for me, I, I, I was ready to, you know, start my new chapter, get back home around my family and, you know, play professional, which I'm very lucky enough. But it's the bubble. You're, you're always around your friends and, you know, you're, you're doing things and you're going out to eat. And But no, I, I think the people I, I miss the most, like my second, my second home, my second family. Totally understand that one. Well, Isabella, thank you very much for joining on. Isabella Sibley, current Crystal Palace midfielder. Appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.